Welcome to For the Love of Dogs with Janice Wolf. Hey, it's Friday again. And uh, of course, because it's Friday in the Northeast, we're all looking ready for snow. And, and I'm starting to see people, uh, well, we have the, the naysayers of doom, the Farmer's Almanac people. And then we have people who are just negative on everything. But regardless, there's salt, there's sand, there are chemicals on the road. And it's a good day to start talking about how you can protect your dog's paws and pads from all of the chemicals that are out there. Um, Even the ones that are dog-friendly, it's still something that's not a natural ingredient in uh, in your dog's diet. Now, where you get in trouble with some of the road salts and sands and chemicals, even runoff, even when you're in the springtime, summer, and all that, when you're starting to deal with your lawns and fertilizer and pesticides and different herbicides and chemicals, um, these things can get onto your dog's skin. It can cause a local contact dermatitis. But more importantly, for you who have a very clean and neat dog who tends to lick every body part, sometimes at inappropriate times when you're ready to sit down for dinner with the clean, you have definitely seen your dog licking. Now, if you have a female dog, you have to be, or a small male dog, like a dachshund or a little one, like a Frenchie, when these dogs squat, they can sometimes, the splash up, I know it sounds gross, but hey, they're dogs. Um, the splash up can actually cause a lot of problems because what happens is whatever bacteria, viruses, fungus, protozoal junk that's in the dirt or in the on the pavement or in wherever it is that your dog is taking a break and going potty, those things can cause problems because it can cause UTIs, urinary tract infections. There are other things that can happen by you guys just, you know, not cleaning your dog appropriately, even different places. Um, and with the feet, feet are real, real easy to clean because you can use any kind of wipes. There's so many different kinds of, like, different kinds of baby wipes, but they're made specifically for dogs that are very helpful. And what these wipes can do is actually take off some of the road salt and junk and gunk and bacteria and all that um, and, and keep your dog healthier. So let's first talk about the obvious Sand, everybody's, oh, it's only sand, but the sand has chemicals in it, too. Remember, it's not just beach sand that somebody's taking uh, because beach sand is actually not coarse enough to put down on the roads. So a lot of different kinds of sands have chemicals in them. They have other compounds. And a lot of these, you know, different things like sand or gravel are also carried in trucks, dump trucks, and big, giant container trucks that contain different chemicals. So you never really know what's in it, but I can assure you that it's not something that your dog should have in its intestines. Now, another part of that is how do you know how to clean your dog's feet and does your dog stay still for you to clean the dog's feet? That's something I hear about very, very often. So when we sit down and we say, all right, we are going to clean our dog's feet because you're already brushing your dog's teeth, you're hopefully taking the dog to groom, or you're bathing the dog yourself, which is a whole other thing we'll talk about. 
Um, the key is to make sure that you get off as much as you can without irritating the skin. I've seen people say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I want to get all the road salt off, so I'm using, you know, a solution of whatever, vinegar or, you know, some kind of, you know, harsh chemicals. Now, all of these things, even though they're great disinfectants, you cannot use Lysol or other things like that on your dog's skin. It is, you can't use it on your skin. It's not safe. Don't purell your dog's feet. That does not do anything. Yes, it might kill some germs, but it's going to dry out the pads, the toes in between. The skin is very, very sensitive. Kind of like people say, oh, well, it's a dog's feet. It walks on its feet. Well, we walk on our feet with shoes, but yet think of how many of us are so ticklish or between our toes or underneath our toes how ticklish we are. It's very sensitive skin. So dogs are only walking on their one distal pad, uh, if they're depending on their, their body structure, but they're walking on basically five pads. So there's one for each toe, one, two, three, four, and then the largest pad uh, of their feet. But up in, not that part, not the black part or the pink part, but up between the toes where there's a little bit of hair, those are the areas that we have to pay attention to that the road salt and sand gets up there. It can cause abscesses. It can cause infections. It can cause skin irritation, contact dermatitis. It can cause all kinds of things. So if you're going to use some sort of wipe, you want to use a wipe that's got a good amount of liquid in it. So you can use an unscented baby wipe. You can do the old-fashioned way and just take the tiniest, tiniest drip of some kind of like baby, either baby shampoo or um, ivory or something Dove that's super, super um, gentle. You can take that and you can just take a little bucket. They actually make these fantastic little buckets. They're the stainless steel buckets we use for our show dogs. And they actually have these buckets that are you know, maybe for two cups or three or four cups. Those are really wonderful that when you come back from a long walk in the winter, not every time that you, you know, let the dog in the yard, but if you're going out for a good walk, you can actually just take the dog's paws and just even put a drop of Epsom salt in. You can just put the dog's foot in there for a minute and just kind of let it get all up in there and then do the all three other feet. And then just take a towel and let the dog stand on the towel and dry it off a bit and your dog will be in great shape. But if you don't get that, there is a chance that your dog can wind up with infection or some kind of protozoal or skin infection, some lesion, parasites, all kinds of stuff. So do make sure that you do the right thing and you take care of your dog and do clean the insides of the uh, and the up, upper areas of the pads. Another thing in the winter, ears. People don't think about it. In the winter, especially if you have a dog with up ears or a down ear dog that has kind of larger pinnae, which are kind of the, the part of the ear that's kind of the flap, um, you can actually have some issues with that because things can get stuck in that. Or a dog can have something on his foot, for instance, an infected uh, little area on its toe, and now it what does it do? It scratches, scratch, 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 scratch on its ears and in its ears with the toenails. And now all of a sudden it's put whatever was 
on the ground into its ears and you can wind up with ear infection. You can also wind up with little either bites, they almost look like fly bites, um, or very dry skin on the edges and around the pinna of the ears. So think about how you can keep that kind of just moistened. And the ways you can do that is to use either something that you can get from your vet, uh, like a triple antibiotic ointment, something like that. Um, Better yet than the ointment is actually a cream, a triple antibiotic cream. And just don't gob it on there. Just put a tiny bit on there on your fingers and then just kind of rub it in. And you do that every day. It'll keep that from cracking and getting dry. Remember dogs with longer or larger ears. When you have a dog who has an ear infection or has something and it starts shaking its head, there's not too much more bloody in the world other than a ripped up tail or femoral artery um, than an ear. Ears bleed like ears. Oh, my Lord, so much. And it gets seems to get even into the ceiling. It gets into your eyes. It gets down to your head. So it's always a good idea to have certain things in your first aid kit, um, which is what we're going to talk about today. So what do you need to take care of your dog? We have food. We have water. You have your vet's number. But you know how emergencies always tend to happen at the most inopportune time? That's why they call them emergencies. So when you have an emergency and you can't get your vet and there's an 8 to 12-hour wait at the emergency vet unless your dog is literally seizing and then maybe you'll get in a little earlier, it's a great idea to have an emergency kit. What do you do if your dog's ear starts bleeding, okay, the edge of the ear or something or it cuts or a little nip or something? So what you can do in the meantime, there are different products that are preventing blood from continuing, like a styptic pencil. There's styptic powder. There's something called bleed stop or blood stop. They're two different products, very similar. It can even be used on humans. It's what they have um, when they're in the army or military and they're getting shot at. And so when it's injured and it's like a packet and they literally just put it in and it cauterizes it instantly, you can purchase that or even liquids that will do that, like a styptic. And then make sure you have either an ACE bandage or vet wrap, something, or Coflex, which is kind of um, uh, elastic, but it's not sticky-sticky, but it will stick to itself. Those are wonderful. So you could actually, if it's a, a down ear dog, you basically would flip the ear up over the other ear, And then you're going to wrap it after you put the stuff to stop the bleeding. You're going to wrap it gently, not too much because it's under the throat, remember. But if you put that on and you study how to do that, or I'm sure you can find something on YouTube or um, Facebook or or somewhere, um, you'll be able to find that on our website eventually as well. We're going to be adding these types of things. But... If you're able to have a little kit, basically a first aid kit, you should have at least two rolls of vet wrap or Coflex. You should have at least one ACE bandage, if not more. And the ACE bandage should be not the ones with those little metal clips 
that kind of hold it together. There are great new ones that actually have Velcro on each end, and they're wonderful because they stick to each other, stick to themselves, and then they stick afterwards um, well enough, if you learn how to wrap, that you can get to the vet and it won't be a horrible, disgusting mess. So those are two great things. And then triple antibiotic ointment is great. Something that you can get from your vet called chlorhexidine. Chlorhexidine is that blue scrub. It's a wonderful thing. You got to be careful. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm using hydrogen peroxide. Well, peroxide is okay in an emergency, but peroxide also can cause tissue damage. And so if the dog doesn't have a big area that needs to be sutured, you can do that. But again, check with your veterinarian. Um, But that is the chlorhexidine is very, very good. Um, You can actually buy it for people as well. So it's kind of that bluish, um, typically it's a bluish color. So those are some good things to have. Well, another thing obviously is a splint appropriate to the size of your dog. Again, if you have Coflex, vet wrap, whatever, a roll of rolled cotton is excellent. Um, Several rolls of gauze is excellent. Um, Learn how to do it. Don't wait until you have an emergency. Learn how to do it now. You know, just check it out. And uh, it's, it's basically over, under, over, under. And you'll be able to kind of wrap your, your pet up so that on your way to your vet, um, in that four, five, six, eight hours, 20 hours, whatever it is, at least your dog is triaged and you've done something to help it. Um, there's so many different things that you should have a, a splint. Like if it's a small dog, you can have a tongue depressor or several of them. Uh, I would have several of everything uh, because sometimes you'll use top and bottom of the break or of the injury. But the key is making sure you have more than you need, not less than you need. So having a little sharp scissor to be able to cut those uh, vet wrap or, or cutting any of the wrapping, but getting one that has a the safety tip on it, like the ones you would use for banded scissors that veterinarians use where the bottom of it is actually kind of a flattened area so that you're not cutting into the dog's flesh. Um, But there are so many different things that are really, really good that you can include in that safety kit. And these are some of them. So what do you do when your dog is kind of sick, it's not acting right, Uh, Maybe you're noticing that, you know, there's some swelling. Um, Don't, I mean, I don't want to tell you not to go to your vet, but don't be one of those people who, uh, like my daughter always says, you know, that they wait, that they they have an animal who's critical for, you know, two months that should have been probably, you know, brought many months prior. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, The person says, oh, my gosh, it's an emergency. When does it become an emergency? Well, it becomes an emergency the first time you realize, "Uh uh-oh, this may not be good. If it's on a, you know, Sunday night late and you think, oh, okay, this can wait, then great, then wait for your vet. Most vets, even though they won't have a lot of appointments, they'll have either um, a kind of an emergency where they'll leave a few open during the day just in case, God forbid, something happens. Let's say, you know, in front of the vet clinic, a dog gets hit or a cat gets 
hit by a car. Well, there's going to be some vet somewhere in the practice who's going to help. Well, those appointments, if they're not used, kind of yeah, as you're getting closer time-wise to the time that of the appointment that they've left open, they might be free. So you should call your vet and leave a message in your vet's answering service and then call first thing when they open and just make sure they understand that, hey, this is a serious issue. The dog has this issue or the cat has this issue. Um, we were going to go to the emergency hospital, but the emergency hospital is taking 12 hours and that's by that point, you know, we would have been able to, you know, kind of go to our own vet. Well, that's what we want to do. So don't feel badly about, you know, contacting your vet. Your vet, most veterinarians are wonderful. There are a couple that are not great. The vast majority of veterinarians go into it for the right reason because they love animals and they want to help people and their animals. So the best way to do that is, to leave themselves a little bit of time here and there throughout the day so that in case you do have something that's actually an emergency, but you can't get into the emergency vet because of the weight, they will typically, especially if it's a vet that you, you've been using, they will typically let you come in. So ask them about that. Ask them if you can be put on a cancellation list. And meanwhile, you might see that you triaged your pet and the dog's doing totally fine, or the cat's doing totally fine, and you didn't even really need the emergency vet. Which brings me to, how do you pay for that? Well, I'm going to beat up everybody again. Make sure you have pet health insurance. I have the best insurance. Uh, I use a company called Trupanion, uh, but there's Healthy Paws, and there are several others that are nationwide, uh, not bad. There are several that are, are pretty good. Um, I personally have had over $300,000 reimbursed with Trupanion. Uh, they will pre-authorize, pre-approve, so that when your animal is sick, um, some veterinary clinics will not require that you put down the deposit because if you have the insurance and they do a pre-authorization, pre-approval, that means that you will absolutely be able to get that covered they're committing to the fact that it is covered. And that's a great thing because then you can, you know, get whatever you need for the animal. Biggest problem is when people say, I, I want to do whatever it is I can do to help my animal. And then they, the vet clinic, which everybody complains how much they charge, but if you knew how much it costs to do all these things that these people are doing and, you know, a, a million-dollar MRI or a CT machine, that's, there's a reason that people you know, are paying a certain amount. Now, if you compare it to human medicine, it's much less, but it's just that human medicine is covered typically by health insurance. So get your pet health insurance, good health insurance, not some garbage that, oh, it covers up to the first 3000 I mean, I went, I blasted through $3,000. That's, that's like not even half a day for some of my dogs. So when you have that health insurance, what I notice also is, the veterinarians will tend to, I'm not going to say take better care, but they'll offer you more alternatives because they know that you're vested more in the whole process of getting your animal healthy. If somebody comes in and says, I don't have money, what can you do to save my dog who just got hit by a car? What do you think the vet's going to say? They're not going to say, oh, yeah, let's try this 
you know, $20,000 surgery and three weeks of hospitalization, they're going to say, well, you know, it's very serious. It's going to be very expensive and there's going to be a lot of recuperation. You know, you might want to consider euthanasia. And for that family who is in that situation, who doesn't have enough money for food or for mortgage payment, yeah, that might be the option. But my animals are never going to be the animals who get nothing. They're going to be the animals who are going to have every opportunity. So, for instance, my one dog who has had uh, already mast cell disease, urethral tumor, which is a really weird one, one of my cancer detection dogs, um, and now she's got lymphoma. So three different cancers. That's the same as me. So uh, we're we're pretty parallel, although I'd prefer she not parallel me. So what do you do? Well, my veterinarian, who I just got off the phone with before we started the show today, my veterinarian said, well, there's a whole lot of things we can do. Um, There are different kinds of chemo. There's surgery. There are a lot of options. They know that I have a 90% co- or 10% copay that 90% of all the things for this dog are covered. So I can literally get anything because Trupanion is truly an amazing company. Like they're just really incredible. So, you know, if I go in, they're going to do everything because they know that not only am I committed, but that I have the wherewithal, that I have the funds, and that it's backed up by an insurance company who is an excellent payer. They're really, really great to deal with. So if you want your veterinarian to give you every option that you might want to know about, well, you'd better get some kind of insurance. And when you do the health insurance for your dog or your cat, Make sure you get one that there's no cap. That, to me, is the most important thing. I've seen people, including one of Wyatt's sons, um, who had been fed grapes by a little, the little grandson who was like five or six years old because he loved grapes, so he fed the dog grapes. This is a big 105, 106-pound giant Ridgeback, very healthy, lovely dog, and he... Uh, was poisoned by these grapes over the course of a few weeks. He had maybe three or four grapes every day, and he wound up having full kidney failure, and um, he unfortunately had to be euthanized, uh, which he would have passed probably within hours anyway, so we decided not to let him suffer. Um, I decided with the, the family, but... The reason that that happened, they only had a $3,000 cap. So I agreed to pay for the balance of it. And just that limited, I know it limited, although there was really nothing to do at that point. But how about if they had said, well, for $10,000, we can save the dog. And the family only has a $3,000 policy. Well, I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, but $3,000 at some places, uh, not where I work, but uh, where some of the other places, I mean, $3,000 as you walk in the door and, uh, you know, maybe the dog stays, you know, for six hours or something and you're at $3,000 already. And then sometimes the animal doesn't even make it, which is even worse. 
So by having the insurance, the health insurance, you actually end up having more options for the dog. Plus, you don't have to typically come up with all the extra amounts of money that you would have. So we've talked about that, but let's talk about health and nutrition for a moment because it is really important to make sure that we have good health and nutrition. Make sure you're feeding the best quality diet you can. Make sure your dog is on a very high quality uh, vitamin mineral supplement. We use NuVet, N-U-V-E-T. NuVet.com is the website. Um, and you can get a 15% uh, off um, if you mention uh, the order code, I believe, is 86686. Those vitamins, um, I give all my guys two a day uh, when they're sick or not feeling well. I up it. But typically, those are really phenomenal, and it's a great, great product. Uh, we were talking about grooming earlier. That NuVet, N-U-V-E-T dot com. NuVet also makes a really great shampoo that I use for my guys. And they make a puppy shampoo that's great. But I use their oatmeal shampoo. And it's just so nice. Um, you know, my Ridgebacks, I don't have to really uh, bathe that often. But it's very gentle and you can bathe more often. Again, make sure that you're very careful when you do bathe a dog, that, especially in the cold, because... You know, it does take a while for the hair to dry out, especially on a, a thick-coated or fluffy-coated or double-coated breed. But if you get the, the vitamins, they also have a great joint and, um, and cartilage supplement called New Joint, N-U-J-O-I-N-T. Again, you can use that same code. and It'll save you 15%, 86686. 86686, that's NuVet, N-U-V-E-T.com. So you can put your dog on those supplements, but there are also some other supplements that you can give your dog. I wouldn't go crazy on it, but you can put a little drop of salmon oil or a little bit of coconut oil in your dog's uh, fur, I'm sorry, in your dog's food, and um, you can actually use it um, if your dog has Get, tends to get a lot of matted areas. Just take ever so tiny, tiny bit um, of like a little bit of coconut oil and just rub it in your hands and then kind of rub your hands all over. Now, it will tend to pick up dirt, but it will also keep it from getting overly um, tangled. There's also an awesome product I use for my horses, for my Merlin and for my horses who have long manes and tails, which is most of them. Um, it's called Cowboy Magic. You can just get that at any horse equipment store. Uh, but Cowboy Magic, the only thing I would uh, I would caution is it's um, it is oil and it's it's fine. But um, products that are made for horses, typically horses are not going to be licking themselves. That's not what they do, um, but dogs do. So make sure if you use it, using a very very tiny amount, put it into your hands and then rub it through the matted areas, and then brush it out. But I would not be gobbing anything all over your dog's um, hair or anything. Uh, One of the nice things that you can also do is make sure that when you're using any product, make sure that it says that it's safe to read your labels. Make sure that it's safe for children and animals and that there's no precautions on it. 
sometimes even though it's something that's made for an, a dog or a baby, um, it, there'll be a choking hazard or there'll be something made for a dog and it says do not allow dogs to uh, ingest or uh, play unattended with this product. Well, as soon as they say that, it means it's dangerous or it splinters or shatters or pieces can come off of it. So think about that before you do anything. So hopefully you guys will stay with me during our From Shelter Dog to Service Dog segment, which will be coming up right after this message. Stay tuned. So we're talking about service dogs. And one of the things we do need to talk to about service dogs is making sure you keep your service dog in shape during COVID. Most of us are not going out. If we are going out, please wear masks if you are going into public places because I know pretty much everybody that I know has gotten COVID and most of them are vaccinated and boosted. They still got COVID, but guess what? If you wear a mask, it's another level. Well, most people, even those who need service dogs like I do, um, we're leaving our dogs home because we're more concerned to get in and out of the place quickly or just that, you know, we, we don't want to drag our dog and then have germs and then have to bathe the dog or, you know, put some kind of chemical into the dog's hair to kind of be, you know, like decontaminated it, you know, we want to decontaminate our dog. But one thing that you should really do, and especially with Merlin's kids, what we want to do is we keep as close as we can to the schedule of what normally the dog would be doing. So if a child is, let's say, has a service dog, whether you trained it, and it's, but I'm talking about legit service dogs, or if you're training a service dog or attempting to train a dog to become a service dog, don't say, oh, well, we can't do go outside, we can't do public access, we can't do that. Do it in the house. Everybody's got a separate place at some point um, to do all the different things that they're doing. Um, and we all go out and we all do what we do. And a lot of different things that, um, you know, we're uh, thinking about, um, we can do with a dog in the house. So put your vest on. Bring your mat or whatever you're using. With us, we use our safe spot mat. And we will take the dog and we'll walk into the kitchen and safe spot. We'll go on the couch, pretend to cry, have the dog check our cortisol, have somebody come in the house that the dog doesn't know, or maybe just pretend. Have your husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or friend throw a hoodie on and come in. You can do all these things uh, exactly the same way as you would do them if you were out. The dog doesn't care if it's the downstairs area that you don't ever take them to or if it's the supermarket or the shopping mall. You can set up your house to be another area. Throw food around. Well, maybe don't throw food around. Our dogs, for Merlin's kids' dogs, we 100% our dogs will ignore the food. But that's a great way that if your dog, let's say you have a lab or a golden or a poodle mix of some sort, they seem to be uh, nutritionally and genetically predisposed to just wanting to eat anything, including rocks and socks and, you know, all kinds of ch chocolate chip cookies, Jenna. 
and uh, all kinds of things. And you can actually mimic that, simulate it by putting your dog into vest on a safe spot and, you know, or do your downstay and toss things around because you don't have to train outside. You can actually train inside. It's just a matter of making sure that when you are um, doing those things inside that you're mimicking what you would have had outside. So all you've got to really do is just bring the things that you would bring with you normally if you were outside and make that happen. So have somebody throwing food around and you correct the dog if it goes to try to take the food. Have the dog have, you know, like things that wrappers or napkins or, you know, whatever it is. And let the dog practice leaving that all alone in your living room or in your dining room or in your basement or wherever it is. But don't wait for, you know, let's say for COVID to be done before you're going to try to uh, prevent the dog from, let's say, taking food or, or skilling out, as we say. So if you're going to try to skill out your dog and you're going to practice, just practice and add in distractions. We have several dogs, including our one rescue from Aruba, and uh, his name is actually, used to be Target, we call him Spuds. Well, Spuds, he runs around with his either yellow giant smiley face or with whatever toy or Frisbee, and he runs around and we'll have... 15 or 16 Merlin's Kids Service dogs in training, and they will all be on mats or carunda beds or tables. We have them all over the place, sometimes under tables. Sometimes we'll have three carunda beds set up. We'll have shopping carts. We'll have all those different things. And it's really kind of cool when you start looking at it and you say, oh, my God, look what all these dogs are able to do. So we have our Spudsy, who we toss toys and food. He runs around and he distracts everybody, which is what he's great at doing. And if the dogs do move to try to chase him or follow him, we just put them back and we correct them. And then once they're being good, we reinforce the good part. And our dogs, literally, and you can look at on MerlinsKids.org, you could actually see some of the videos that we've posted where you'll see Spuds and he's a colored bull terrier and he's adorable and you'll see him running around, running around and all the other dogs are just laying there completely like, eh, whatever, because we've taught them. Well, we keep doing that through COVID. We have not missed a beat. We have continued to train the same number. Actually, we're up on placements. Uh, 2021 over 2020 and 2020 over 2019 because we're always expanding. So when there's a, like, you know, pandemic going on, well, the dogs still have to eat. The dogs still have to be trained. They still have to be cleaned. They still have to be bathed. The yards still have to be cleaned. We were building another building, which we did right in the middle of COVID. So we have a magnificent facility. We have big open areas. We simulate everything from hospitals and nursing homes. We use walkers and wheelchairs and canes and all kinds of things in order to help the dogs 
uh, to learn what they need to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really great thing to be able to, you know, do that and make sure that, um, you know, the dog has everything that it needs. And we are actually able to continue to simulate all those things um, as we would do if there were not COVID. So there's no reason that you can't train your dog to be a service dog during, you know, COVID or anything else. And actually, personally, I think it's easier training the dog now because there are fewer people, fewer distractions. So it's fine for you to go to a supermarket if your dog is trained or go to Petco or PetSmart or any of these places because the big box stores, you can take your dog. Now, don't take your dog if it's reactive. And if your dog is reactive to people or, or other animals, it's not a service dog. So please don't throw a vest on it. But if you take a dog who's reactive, not in vest, and you take it to PetSmart or Pet Store, Petco, whatever, and the dog is reactive, you can correct the dog and teach it. So that's a great first place to start because your dog is naturally allowed in there because it's a pet store. But where you get into trouble is when you slap a fake service vest on, and actually the service vest is real, but the dog under it is not uh, a service dog. But by doing that and by putting the service vest on, you're letting people in the general public think that that's a real service dog, and then they say, oh, well, service dogs aren't well-behaved. They're really outraged. They're jumping on my kid, trying to eat my food, trying to bite me. Please don't ruin it for the others of us who actually do it right. There are so many organizations that have popped up recently, um, people who've never trained a service dog or, or who are local obedience trainers who think they can train a service dog. But then there are some really wonderful people um, who try really hard, and most of them use obedience. We do not because it just <laughs> seems futile uh, to, to make a dog, you know, to us, we want a dog who's going to be a dog that's going to be automatic, a dog that it's going to know what to do. It's going to stop an autistic child from running out a door. You're not going to have the autistic child who's nonverbal tell the dog, oh, hello, dog. I am going to walk out the door now because my mother is no longer here. Can you please prevent me from walking out the door? Like, that, isn't, that isn't reality. So our dogs are automatic. And yes, it is very hard to do what we do, but we do it. And we are behaviorists. We are not obedience trainers. But there are some service dogs out there who were trained very well through using food or clicker or whatever. That's just not our thing. So if you are trying to train your dog to be a service dog, you can actually ask for help. There are some agencies out there who most of them are, are, you know, going to use obedience. But if you need help, you can even reach out to Merlin's Kids, M-E-R-L-I-N-S-K-I-D-S dot org. Just type in the URL, www.merlinskids dot org. And MerlinsKids.org, we actually have programs that we can help you train your own dog, or we can provide you with a service dog that is second to none uh, that will be custom trained for you. So there's a lot of different options. But if you don't need a real service dog and you just need 
let's say, a dog that's going to pass the CGC, which is Canine Good Citizen, or TDI, which is Therapy Dog International, which are both excellent organizations. I'm actually a CGC evaluator um, for, for five different levels of CGC. So that is not obedience-based. What I like a lot about CGC, which you can get through the American Kennel Club, uh, find somebody near you. The best part about the CGC is that it doesn't care how the dog was trained. So the dog could be trained with food, but you can't use food during that time. It can be trained behaviorally like we do, which is why all of our service dogs probably six months into their training would all pass a CGC with flying colors, um, but an obedience dog would not because it would be too focused on external, um, you know, kind of distractions. But it's a great thing, and it's a great start for anybody who is looking to legitimately train his or her dog to become a service dog. So take it in steps. Instead of taking a dog and saying, oh, I'm going to turn this dog into a service dog, Oh, the dog is dog aggressive and fear aggressive and food aggressive and it chases, you know, squirrels and chipmunks and cats and kids and bicycles, but I want it to be my service dog. Well, that is not going to work and either find another dog or send your dog to us and we'll do our best to help you. But honestly, if your dog does not have the right stuff, don't make him be something he really wasn't set up to be. If your dog is a great pet or if your dog is too old already, let's say your dog is six, seven, eight years old, why are you going to spend all that time and money and effort on training a dog to be a service dog when the vast majority of the time that you're going to be using the service dog, it's going to be too much for the animal because it's going to be too old. So you also don't want to start with a crazy young puppy, but that's where you can use a little bit of obedience. Try to do it without food, but where you can just teach the dog to follow you, teach the dog to care about you. And that's really what it is. It's making sure that the dog understands that you are his person and that you are his priority. So you make sure that you're the one, whoever the person is who's going to use the service dog, make sure you're the one who feeds the dog. You're the one who puts the water bowl down. You're maybe the one who's doing the commands. You're the one who's doing all of the things so the dog comes to rely on you most. And if the dog seems to be bonded, let's say, to one of your kids and it's the wrong kid, it's going to be very hard to make this dog bond to the other person. Kind of like those of you uh, women who have a sister or men who have a brother um, and you think to yourself, wow, you know, I could never be married to my sister's husband. He is such a jerk. I don't even know how she can stand him. Or, you know, you say, oh, my gosh, my wife's, my, you know, my wife's uh, uh, sister. Oh, I could never, ever, ever, ever be married to her. She's so high maintenance or whatever. So. The fact that the dog is bonding perhaps to the wrong person in the family, it means that that's not the right dog most likely for that individual who needs it. You want to make sure that the dog is bonded mostly to the individual for whom the dog will be trained. And it's just common sense. But like I always say, common sense isn't always that common. You know, I cannot even believe 
that it is time to go again. I want to thank my wonderful engineer, uh, Doug, for being incredible. And I want to thank all of you for being here. Wish you a very happy, happy, healthy new year. I hope everything goes well for everyone in this year. Hope we get past this stupid pandemic and all of its ancillary issues. But I know that all of us are going to come out and hopefully all appreciate what we have and had. And we are going to take extra good care of our pets, give them extra snuggles tonight. And you all have a wonderful, healthy, happy weekend. God bless.